Okay, well, this morning we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 27. And it is a rather long passage. And so in order to understand what's happening in Genesis 27, I just want to quickly remind you a little bit of from where we have come and some of the context that we've already seen within the book of Genesis. So to do that, we need to look back just ever so briefly at Genesis chapter 25. This really helps set the stage for Genesis chapter 27. So if you want to look in your Bibles with me at Genesis chapter 25, we'll begin quickly at verse 19. Genesis chapter 25, verse 19. This is the account of the family line of Abraham's son, Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel the Aramean, from Padan Aram, and sister of Laban the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So he was named Esau, which means hairy. After this, his brother came out, his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob, which basically rhymes with the Hebrew word for deceiver or heel grasper. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. Okay, so the first thing that you need to remember to understand the rest of what we're going to talk about this morning in chapter 27 is that the Lord gave a special oracle and message to Rebekah that the older would serve the younger. The second important piece of information that you need to remember is what happens in just a few more verses. Pastor Chris preached about this about two weeks ago. When Esau, the hunter and man of the woods, a very Kent City-like man, came in and he was quite famished, his brother was making stew, and he said, what good is my birthright if I'm dead? And so he sold his birthright to his younger brother, Jacob. So with that in mind, we're going to pick up in the very end of chapter 26. And since this is a pretty long passage, I've asked a few people to come and help me read this. So please follow along and listen As we read, we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 26, verse 34. It's Genesis chapter 26, verse 34. It begins like this. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, daughter of Beri, the Hittite, and also Basemith, daughter of Elon, the Hittite. They were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am. He answered. Isaac said, 
I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Yes, Father. Now Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats, so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat, so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man, while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goatskins. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father. Yes, my son. He answered, Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success. He replied, Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father, who touched him, and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau? He asked. I am. He replied. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate. And he brought him some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to, kiss, so he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him, 
and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, please, eat, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I'm your, I'm your son, he answered. Your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came in and blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me! Me too! My father, bless me! But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he's taken advantage of me. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you, and have made all his relatives his servants. I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father, please. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. No. You will live by the sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near, and then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, Your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay there with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land... From Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him. Then he commanded him, Do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Padan Aram, to the house of your mother's father, Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants the blessing giving, given to Abraham so that you may take his possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob on his way, and he went to Padanaram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah. 
who was the mother of Jacob and Esau. Now Esau learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob and had sent him to Padan Aram to take a wife from there. And that when he blessed him, he commanded him, Do not marry a Canaanite woman. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and had gone to Padan Aram. Esau then realized how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his father Isaac. So he went to Ishmael and married Mahalath, the sister of Neboeth, and the daughter of Ishmael, son of Abraham, in addition to the wives he already had. Thank you. Well, that's not the most encouraging. There's not a whole lot good to say about what just happened to the patriarchal family. And I struggled a lot to know how to deal with this passage and what direction to take this sermon. And so I thought it might be helpful, since it's such a long passage, to basically consider each of the members of the patriarchal family in turn and consider their actions. So let's begin with the most obvious one. Jacob. In Jacob, we see a deceitful son, right? We see him take advantage of his father's age and his diminishing senses. It's very interesting that later in the book of Deuteronomy, there's explicitly forbidden taking advantage of elder people who are losing their sight or their hearing. Not only does Jacob live up to his name as a deceiver, but he also steals from his brother a blessing of unimaginable magnitude. I think it's kind of hard for us to wrap our our minds around what this blessing may have actually looked like. And I think there's two components to it. The first one, I believe, is somewhat of a monetary component. You have to remember that this is the blessing that God had promised to Abraham and then to Isaac. Remember, Abraham started back in Genesis chapter 12, leaving his father and his mother, his country, all that he had to follow the Lord to the place the Lord would show him. And over and over again in Abraham's life, we see how God richly blessed Abraham. There were some things that Abraham did which were less than recommended and somewhat foolish. Multiple times he fell into the trap of saying his wife was his sister because of fear of what men would do to him. And yet even in these instances, God richly blessed him wherever he went. God's blessing of Abraham was so abundant that he needed to separate from his nephew Lot because they had too much cattle. I would say this would be likened probably to the inheritance of a millionaire. It would be an incredible blessing to receive this blessing. But yet then there's also a spiritual component of this blessing. Of the diminishing of the patriarchal family from Abraham to Isaac and then to one of Isaac's sons. That through this son and his family lineage, God was going to bless all nations of the world. We already saw and briefly discussed how Esau lacked an awareness 
and to care for spiritual things. But Jacob's theft of this blessing was absolutely ginormous. Furthermore, we also see that Jacob, in his attempts to deceive his father, is actually blaspheming against the Lord, and he's invoking the blessing and the name of the Lord to explain and convince his aging father why he was able to hunt the game so quickly and bring it to him just the way that he liked it. We're going to see throughout the rest of the book of Genesis a number of ways in which deceit and the consequences of Jacob's sin are going to follow him wherever he goes. And in a truly tragic and somewhat ironic turn of events, there's going to come a day in Jacob's life where his own sons will use clothing to deceive him as they show him the clothing of Joseph, his favored son, and tell him that he was killed by animals. There's no doubt that Jacob deserves some guilt in this passage. What about Rebekah? In Rebekah, this prized wife of Isaac that Abraham went to great lengths to procure a wife for his son, Isaac, not in the land that he was sojourning in, but in the land of the Arameans. In Rebekah, we see a conniving woman. We see her as the mastermind behind this attempt to deceive her husband, Isaac. And we can't help but wonder what happens to this love story between Isaac and Rebekah, that they're at this point of deception and cloak and daggers. Furthermore, we see in Rebekah that she coerces Jacob into this deceit. And she tells him, don't worry about any curse that might befall on you. Let it fall upon me. One of the things that Rebekah most fears, we see at the end of the passage, in verse 45, she, as she sends Jacob away, she says, I will send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose you both in one day? And yet, the unfortunate reality is that this very thing which Rebecca feared is what her actions are helping to bring about. She loses both of her sons. We see in the end of the passage that Esau has no regard for what pleases or displeases his mother, only what pleases his father. And we also, as the rest of Genesis is going to show us, know that Rebekah never calls Jacob back from the land that she sends him to. She will never again be reunited with her favored son. Rebekah clearly bears some of the guilt. Now what about poor Esau? We can't help but feel a little bit bad for Esau, right? And yet, in Esau... To his credit, we do see that compared to Genesis chapter 25 where he sold his birthright for pennies on the dollar for a cup of stew, this time he actually does go and do something. So, you know, we want to give him a little bit of credit for that. But here's the problem. Esau is shown over and over to have blatant disregard for God's past faithfulness to his family And we see this, first of all, through his marrying Hittite women. 
There's no, there can be no doubt in our minds that Esau knew very well about the lengths to which Abraham went to find a wife for Isaac, Esau's father. And yet Esau takes not just one but two wives from among the Hittites. And then in the end of this passage, we see him taking a wife from the daughters of Ishmael. Esau also absolutely would have known about the word of the Lord that came to his mother, Rebekah, in chapter 25. And would have known that it was God's desire that the older would serve the younger. And yet Esau is very complicit in Isaac's attempt at subterfuge for the will of the Lord. Esau also gets worse. As when all is said and done, Esau is plotting murder in his heart and planning to pacify himself by murdering his twin brother, Jacob. And in doing so, Esau would join the ranks of men like Cain, who killed his brother Abel, or Lamach, who takes disproportionate amounts of revenge against those who have wronged him. There can be no doubt that Esau also bears some guilt. Now, what about poor old Isaac? We can't help but feel a little bit bad for Isaac as he's losing his faculties. He's unable to see well. And yet, in Isaac, we see that Isaac has failed as a father in passively fathering his son Esau. In not taking and commanding him as he did with Jacob to take a wife from among the Arameans. He sits idly by as Esau takes Hittite women for wives. Not only that, Esau, I'm sorry, Isaac fails in trusting his senses. And we saw in Genesis 27 how his ears told him something was wrong. But he trusted his sense of smell when he smelled the smell of the field and the blessing of the Lord. And when he felt the hairiness of Jacob deceiving him. Esau trusted in his senses. And we see that Esau ends up being shown to be spiritually blind to what the Lord was seeking to accomplish through his family. Which brings us to his greatest transgression, which is his explicit attempt to overturn the clear and direct word of the Lord for what the Lord's will was for his family, that the older would serve the younger. So on that happy note, where do we go from there? As we consider the way that this narrative functions in Genesis chapter 27, I think it's helpful for us to take one step back and consider within the whole book of Genesis, what does this narrative do? What is Moses, as the author of Genesis, trying to get across? I think the first thing is that there's a clear winnowing down of the patriarchal family. And we see that this is the final winnowing that takes place. After this, after it goes, the blessing is shown to be from Abraham, Isaac, and then through Jacob, it's going to begin expanding. And it's going to expand as Jacob's name becomes changed later on to Israel, and he has 12 sons who will represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And God is going to fulfill his word through Israel that he is going to give a nation to Abraham. If we take 
yet one more step back and look at the way that this narrative functions within the rest of the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, I think we see some very important lessons for Israel, for them to remember. Israel needs to be aware that they are going to be tempted to walk in the way of Esau, who was ignorant of God's past faithfulness to his family. More than that, Esau readily played the victim and refused to take responsibility for his actions in selling his birthright. Israel also, as they get ready to enter the promised land, is going to be tempted to walk in the way of Isaac, who acts in direct opposition to what the Lord has said he is going to do. And if ever we find ourselves in that situation, one of us is going to be proved a fool, and it will not be the Lord. Israel also is going to be tempted to walk in the way of Rebekah, We've seen this before and we'll see it again. As people decide that God's plan and his timing is taking just a little bit too long. Maybe God needs just a little bit of help from us to accomplish his purposes. Israel and we ourselves need to watch out. Finally, Israel is going to be tempted to walk in the way of Jacob. Trying to seize a God-given thing in the wrong way or at the wrong time. And we also know each of these temptations as well. And if we take yet one last step even further back, we come to something truly astonishing. As we realize that this family saga that takes place, something that belongs in the tabloids that would make our modern news and media go absolutely nuts, this family feud, which is of unbelievable proportions, this is the family into which the father was pleased to send his only son. Into a lineage of brokenness, betrayal, deceit, and plotting murder. We see that in Christ, ultimately, the blessings and promises of Abraham are going to come true. We see that Christ took our betrayal and he has washed it away by his blood. We also see that Christ has taken our deceit, our believing of lies and sin and our deadness to sin, and he has given us truth. Christ tells us in John chapter 14 that he alone is the way to the Father. And finally, we see that Christ was murdered in your place and in mine so that we could become, by faith in him, sons and daughters of God. And so at this time, I'd like to invite the deacons to come forward. We're going to transition to celebrating, remembering, and proclaiming the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done, that God has realized his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that nothing that any of them could do could impede the faithfulness of the word of the Lord.